Hello and welcome to the Serpent Temple. This week, me and Shem are doing one of our graveyard classics. We're digging deep, we're diving hard, and we're going in. And this week, we're doing so with Pestilence and their 1989 landmark album, Consuming Impulse. Consuming. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, uh, now, Pestilence. They're an interesting band. It's funny because, like, um, I feel like there's a lot of people that have listened to modern Pestilence that probably don't quite realize how storied a career they have or how diverse the discography is. Funny enough, I actually listened to their latest album, Exitium. Yep. Yep. And it was Exitium. It's that thing with the V's always throws throws me off. Also, uh, Evil Dave's new band. Oh fucking! Um, <laughs> how's flow. it pronounced again? Ultimus. Oh, ulti- yeah, Ultimus. Or I thought, I was, yeah, I totally thought it was Viltimus. Yeah, but it's um, yes. Yeah, so I was listening to their newest album, and after it's fucking sick. But we're not here to review the newest album. We're here to review their second album. And um, I'll give a quick background on the lineup at the time. So you had our man MVD on vocals, uh, also of legendary bands Asphyx and Hail Bullets for mm. the duration of most of their um, tenure. For those not in the know, MVD stands for Martin Van Druen. <laughs> the whole fucking show. The whole fucking show. Uh, we've got the last one on earth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I need to get back into listening to some Aspects albums. Oh, it's so yeah. sick, man. So fucking good. I just love Martin Van Druen. He's yeah. the first time I heard him was... Um, it was really weird, actually, because for years... I got into Bolt Throw when I was like 18, but I just listened to Realm of Chaos and... In Battle There Is No Law yeah. for like fucking years because those albums were so sick and I just loved them so much. I never really got that far into their discography. And then I got into Hail of Bullets. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, Hail of Bullets is amazing. And oh my God. And I just listened to that album so fucking much. And I love Van Drunen's vocals on that. Not knowing that he was actually a one-time bolt thrower vocalist. Yeah. And then like later on discovering Latter Day Bolt Thrower and being like, this is like Hail of Bullets. Then putting everything together or the connections between like those different bands yeah. is really cool. Just something about war-themed death metal that just kind of slaps in it. Yeah, war theme death metal where the where the the, the gist is uh, war is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever listened to much of uh, God to Thrones? No, never. They're good. They had so um, they've got like a triptych, like a, a series of three albums that are all kind of war based, and they're pretty fucking sick as well. Funny enough, also Dutch. It's always the Dutch. Oh, no, I mean, look for doing the research for this episode. The Dutch had some amazing shit, didn't they? Yeah, absolute bangers in terms of bands and stuff. No, just a, yeah. Uh, what's another band that used to be big into uh, from the Dutch scene? Uh, Severe Torture? You ever listened to them much? I think I've heard a little bit, not loads. Well, they're an interesting one because um, they started off more or less like your classic kind of like Cannibal Corpse worship band. Um, but then um, on one of their later albums, Forward the Despised, um, he started to incorporate like a like a, a Von Druinen or Patrick Mimelli style vocal style. Oh, nice. And I just like going back to like his vocal style, I just fucking love it so much because I feel like, you know, like he is like along the same lines of legendary vocalists of such like Chuck Schuldner, John Tardy from yeah. Obituary. Like it's not the uber guttural style that I'm more accustomed to with death metal. It's like that kind of more like vomiting, like really like, bleh, like torturous <laughs> vocal. But it's just so fucking sick. Yeah, I love him. But he sounds like he's in agony. Oh, yeah. He sounds like he's just, there's just something so primal about him. You know, I think that's, yeah, like his, Martin Van Drunen's vocals, if you can listen to Asphyx, you listen to Halo Bullets, you listen to Consuming Impulse, like just, yeah, he's fucking brilliant. He plays bass on this album as well, doesn't he? 
Oh shit, I don't actually. Yeah, I think he actually much. actually served as the band's bassist at this time period. Oh, I, I saw a live that. video of uh, Van Drunen singing. He was playing bass live as well. Oh no, that's cool. Yeah. I've got down that uh, good old uh, Patrick Mamelli was covering guitars and bass duty, but oh. you know, probably wrong. Uh, Encyclopedia Metallum, it's been wrong before. Yeah, so. I mean Mamelli probably wrote the bass parts. Yeah, because he seems to like um, he's like big on the like controlling the kind of driving forward of the band yeah which is putting at odds with a lot of different people throughout the years but um doing the research for this i think i think mamelli's really interesting character yeah it's um yeah because i remember i always remember reading the review with um uh terrorizer once i think it was between mamelli and them and like and they must have like got off on the wrong foot somehow mm. and he was just like but they still published the interview. But yeah. It was just like really passive aggressive and <laughs> hilarious. And it was just like, just so amazing to read. You could tell just even through the transcript that he was so pissed off and just given the yeah. most like passive aggressive answers. Wow. But, I love that, man. That's yeah. what I want from people. Like, like he is a very opinionated person and I don't necessarily agree with all his opinions, but I really like that he kind of sticks to his guns on a number of things throughout their career. There are there like people kind of bitch about him and say he kind of abandoned stuff because I think um so this album we're going to talk about Consuming Impulse was came out in 1989 and is a stone cold classic as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Like in terms of death metal it's it's amazing. Um but basically a little bit further into their career like Patrick Mamelli is a very big kind of jazz fusion guy. Um, ended up forming a band C187 with Sean Reinhardt, um, which unfortunately was kind of ruined by the vocalist of that band being a bit like trying to do a lot of new metal kind of stuff and it didn't really work, but the music is awesome. Yeah. So Mamele's like a big fusion guy and a little bit further into their career, he started to kind of disown this album and the one that came after it, which was the Testimony, Testimony of the yeah, Ancients. Testimony of the Ancients, yeah. And there's like all these interviews with him on Headbangers Ball I was watching on YouTube where he's like, yeah, the stuff we used to do is infantile pathetic simple <laughs> it's just like completely like laying into this album uh. which is like um, but i kind of get why because he, from what he says this time period he was heavily inspired by other death metal bands yeah but i think what they created as a byproduct is very unique and stands on its own two feet yeah and it's kind of like you know in in some ways i kind of see that trajectory being quite similar to deaths in totally. the sense that it's you know the same yeah like even though you know like I, you can make an argument that pestilence were every bit as influential to the scene as they were and that you could tell that i think leprosy was what 88 well it was definitely released before consuming impulse yeah and you could tell that because obviously the the debut album which i'm not even going to attempt to pronounce because i'm not going to fucking butcher it what it's was? latin of some sort yeah, yeah, yeah but it's um so you could tell that that first album was, you know, like it was more Possessed-esque, you know, like yep. it was just like really extreme thrash, almost like something to like creator Possessed. Um, and it even had like a, he- a healthy dose of like trad uh, in the riffs. And you could, this album is like, you know, definitively Pestilence's first death metal album. Yep. And you could tell that it's, you know, influenced by what else was happening in the extreme scene at the time. But also, I think what separates this album from a lot of other albums that were being released was um, just how forward-thinking it was. And, mm. and, and that's purely down to the skill of the musicianship. It's unreal how good a p- guitarist oh. Mameli is. Like, the riffs it's on fantastic. this album, some of the riffs are like oh. would, be, would not be out of place on death metal releases spanning back the last 35 years. Easy, yeah. It's just so fucking out there. I mean, there's a few standout riffs that I've time-stamped. Um, oh god what's the one that really got me 
Um, the last track, Reduced to Ashes, like 310. That's one of the last riffs on the album. It's just absolute fucking just headbanging glory. Amazing. Uh, really sick riff and deified the master and i just i love the vocal lines in that track as well like it's just so fucking catchy and i feel like that's another thing as well like you know martin's vocal phrasing was so ahead of the game as well because yeah. like going back to what we were saying before we stopped filming i feel like so many vocalists are just kind of like it's an afterthought a lot of the time it's just like shit we need someone to do vocals and it's like okay just scream at certain points like you know it's not very well thought out but i feel like on this album there's like certain way that the vocals are phrased but, you know, it's fucking catchy and it like, you know, and it actually lends to the music instead of just being like kind of like a, an obsolete, you know, yeah. addendum. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an instrument and it's, it's played off as such and it's very, it, it works. Like the first track on the album, Dehydrated, is literally like the lyrics are just all about like being in a desert and dying of thirst. <laughs> like <laughs> Martin Van Druden's voice is like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, he literally, he just sounds like demented in a really cool way, not in like a chaotic what's he gonna do next way There's, that's what's really interesting about van drun and it's like he's like some big like ragged beast that's like dying and it's like just, <laughs> I don't know, it's weird he's so cool it's yeah like a wounded animal a wounded animal yeah that's a really good way to put it much better than whatever i said yeah that was good and i think you can't talk about this album without mentioning perhaps in my uh humble opinion one of the best death metal tracks ever which is out of the body. Out of the body. Out of the fucking body. What a what fucking, fucking track. track. Yeah, I remember I, I, I messaged, I was messaging you, but on, during this, I was like, fucking such a god tier song. <laughs> it's so good, man. Like two minutes, two and a half minutes in, it's just one of the greatest riffs ever. Oh, it's just so fucking good. It's, and it's so like, good. And it's just, it's funny when you, because I, I didn't know, like, you know, I know that like Mameli said like a few things and like has done his best to kind of like disown the death metal part of their discography. Um, but like, um, you know, it's just so ironic to me that you know in in some ways have created you know the perfect death metal track yeah yeah he's yeah. just like yeah you know yeah which i suppose is a testament to how good of a musician he is because he's like oh, you know, i went on to do bigger and better things yeah. <laughs> since then you know, after writing you know probably the best yeah. death metal track yeah are you... among the top 10 oh yeah the way god damn the way that riff plays like as a guitar player like it's just perfection yeah the way all the the rhythms like kind of like cascade and work and how they kind of played off against each other and the song is about like like spiders coming out of your <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like literally Martin Van Drunen sounding exactly like a man would sound if he was dying by getting eaten by spiders from the <laughs> inside which seems to be what the song's about yeah but I think, do you know what else I think really lands to this album? I think the production is top notch, top top notch, top, top notch. Yep. <laughs> and you know, it's produced by Harris Johns, who also worked on uh, "Pleasure to Kill" by Creator, oh, nice. like a seminal yeah, yeah. album in the scene as well. And you know what? It's interesting because I feel like you know all the stars were aligned for this album for making it sound so modern and fresh. Because you got to remember, 1989. This is ridiculously yeah. This progressive so, sounding yeah. for what was ha- well what was happening at the time because um, when you listen to the next album Testimony of the Asians so that was produced by Scott Burns of Morris Sound which okay. is what a lot of bands you know like Gore Guts and were using at the time and, you know, and he has a distinct sound which is cool but very much linked to that period in time like it's just like you listen to it like oh that's a Morris Sound album or that's an yeah. album from the early 90s yeah whereas like you know and even Spheres because we were torn between reviewing this or Spheres right yeah and like you know, Spheres has got such a strange production. I love I, the album. It's so weird, and that's why I love it. Yeah, but it's, it's so like, fucking weird. But yeah, like you know, you listen to Spheres directly after you listen to this, and it's like 
two separate bands. I like, read a great description of the guitar tone on Sphere. Someone described it as bloodless and spongy. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Which is kind of true, but I fucking love it. But that's the thing. I think I've always been attracted to strange like production jobs as much as I have like crystal clear ones as well. And like, you know, not to say that this is like crystal clear, overly clinical, but like every instrument is given a chance to shine here. And it's just in many ways, like you know, I consume an impulse for me really is like one of the upper echelon like death metal albums ever. Like it's, it's way, way, way up there. The the combo Van Drun and like singing maybe playing bass and then like Mameli just concentrating on his playing I think that there is like I noticed this with the C187 album as well um is that like that his guitar playing it feels like becomes more animated when he's not also singing as well like I know when you're recording an album you can like track the vocals separately which you almost certainly did um but yeah there's just something about his character comes yeah. it comes out like nina says this about me she's like oh you write very like vocal guitar parts like sing singy like you're, the guitar's trying to say something and i think mameli's kind of quite similar yeah oh no, totally and i think that's why it's such um in many ways for people that are into the scene quite an accessible album and just easy for anyone to get into i think it's got you know elements of there's a hell of a lot of groove on this album um there's a hell of a lot of swing there's a hell of a lot of like you know like technical proficiency brutality it's heavy as fuck mm. um and i think um i think the uh, mark Fo- uh sorry, I'm just get his name right uh marco foddis the drummer oh yeah uh, does a great job as well because yeah, um, really it really like you know you could kind of see that even though they hadn't completely um entered their jazz fusion stage at this point you could kind of see that some of the seeds were there yeah I feel like you can hear it in some of the drum work and some of the guitar work for just how progressive it is yeah and just how dynamic the album is as well yeah which is when you think about i mean i don't know wh- how it lines up with death because i guess there's a lot of like um when was the first atheist album i think that's one that really oh, i wouldn't say 1990 it's an unquestionable um presence presence yeah because that first atheist album for a lot of people for a loop i think piece of time was 90 okay piece of time was 1990 oh it was a pe- presence was 91 oh, okay i thought presence was the first one. i thought yes yeah, so i i didn't yeah. realize piece of time was first be wrong. but there anyway yeah it's like that's yeah it's kind of like yeah 1989 consuming impulse yeah then atheist comes out and everyone it's like an arms race yeah everyone <laughs> it's like really interesting and it's like so this i love the uh, i mean you can't talk about it without talking about the cover right Oh, it's just legendary. Yeah, cover. the cover yeah. is just like a person's face, and they're completely terrified. They they look like Martin Van Drunen sounds, and then there's <laughs> yeah. just ants, like fire ants, all over them, yeah. like going in their mouth and up their nose, and and it's like it's a really again visceral image. It's really like powerful, but I don't think they picked it. I think the band, like I think I watched an interview, and Mimeli was like, "Yeah, someone at the record label just decided that would be the cover." Really, which is fucking weird to think about now when you've got so much control over your art as an artist. If a label was like, "You can't do that," it would just be like, "Shut up." <laughs> that is odd. I don't know. Was it Roadrunner that released this album? Uh, it might have been. Might because I know because the thing is, I first got this album for a Roadrunner double pack. Mm. So it yeah. was this album, and um, I think it was Testimony of the Ancients. Yeah, that makes sense. Malias, yeah, Roadrunner, yeah, 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 because they were one of those. That was a great r- string of releases yeah. that Roadrunner did with, and they had like all the double packs. You had like Suffocation with Effigy and Pierced. Yeah, Gore Guts with um, with um, Dead, considered dead, considered and dead, and um, fucking the Erosion of one. Sanity, Erosion of Sanity, yes. 
The ones um, with the TVs on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's such a cool album cover. Yeah. That's uh, Dan Seagrave. Yeah. Such a good fucking, fucking death metal artist. Seagrave. Yeah, he's awesome. But yeah, it's just like, you know, I feel like this album just captures kind of like part of that magical time where, like what you said, it was a bit like a, a race to see who was going to write the craziest, most progressive, the heaviest, or just the most fucking, the best music possible. And it was just like, you know, when, when you think back, like I'm almost annoyed that i was too young at the time to appreciate oh, it man. Yeah, i would love to have been involved in the scene at this yeah, time and yeah you had yeah. all these run the classic albums coming out yeah it's 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 really interesting because it's a bit like you know with like people that like who are like punks and you're like why are you a punk like 76 is so gone you know like the old school kind of you know sex pistols type whatever's yeah. You know, not necessarily cross-punk type people who fit in more. And I always found it really bizarre that those people were, like, kind of holding on to something that I didn't feel like existed. But now I feel like I'm doing something kind of similar with, like, the Grind Crusher tour. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, this album fits in with that, like, Entombed, Candestine, Bolt Thrower, like, Realm of Chaos, all that kind of shit. Like, that, there's something about this album where it sounds like it's in, like, a dingy club. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, there's there's that that, that thing where it, it's really interesting and it's like i will always want it but it will probably never happen again is how um i remember i was listening to an episode of heavy hole and it was one of the women from mythic i can't remember which which one it was it might be mary Bielik, and she was saying that people don't realize that back then when all these this these kind of bands were around in the early ni- late 80s early 90s she's like heavy music was like pop music like everyone just listened to it. It yeah. was on the radio. It was really common, so it wasn't that weird. Yeah. So just like be going to like, whereas it's like now it's a lot more of like a fringe kind of thing. But people don't realize like how mainstream heavy music was for a long while. Yeah. You know, and it's like kind of quite different today. Do you know it is a good kind of like encapsulation of what you just said? When you watch wrestling and look at wrestling themes throughout the years, mm. you see a shift because they used to be like some heavy as fuck yeah. wrestling themes. Yeah, and then it's there was, masculine and yeah. it's like big riffs is like badass. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. there was a point in time, you know, maybe at the turn of the millennium where they start to become a bit more kind of like poppy and, you know, more uh, fucking like hip hop and like, you know, yeah. even like elements of R&B in some of the uh, in some of the themes, which was always like, you know, strange to me because I feel like, you know, there's so much crossover between wrestling and heavy music. Yeah. Totally, but it's um, I suppose as the as the brand became more corporate and global, they probably want to change the image a bit. Yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, I mean I mean I probably a, a lot of that I I guess would probably be because the people that were in charge were like middle aged to old white men back then, yeah. who knew probably nothing about hip hop and stuff like that, so they yeah. wouldn't have integrated because obviously there was a lot of amazing stuff going on then yeah with like you know all the og kind of like rap groups from east and west coast like there would have been a lot of like stuff that went as hard yeah around but they probably just were like you know yeah maybe didn't understand it i think people didn't realize how much you know but you think back to like um like the judgment night soundtrack yeah you know like anthrax and public enemy and there's yeah. like yeah there's like so much body count like there's so much crossover it's the same thing it goes as hard it's just always been that kind of yeah difficulty to accept one with the other or whatever no you're right because i think the main guy that was involved in the themes was a guy called jim johnston yeah 
And he's he... a real piece of shit, right? <laughs> I think that joke to Jim Johnson nah. was cool. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. No, no. <laughs> Poor Sorry. Jim Johnson just Sorry, catching Jim. straight. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was cool. Like, so I've, I've watched a couple shoot interviews with him recently because he got mm. sacked by WWE a while back. But he was doing themes from them from like the late 80s for all the 90s. So he's responsible for most of the major themes. So I think that was his kind of background. Like, he had a big background in a lot of funk music as well. This is interesting. Sorry, yeah. I was just going to say, because you listen to the DX theme, for example, like there's like a behind the scenes video where he's talking about how like the main riff is actually a funk riff. And, you know, it's kind mm. of inspired by bands like Rage Against the Machine. Because uh, I remember like growing up, people would think that the DX theme was actually written by Rage Against the Machine because it yeah, sounded yeah, that much yeah, similar. Yeah, it did sound, yeah, yeah. It did sound similar. But, yeah, but so, you know, um, Kelly from Atheist, yeah. he was in the first band that got signed to WWE's record label. Really? He was the vocalist, but when he was doing all the WWE stuff, he kept Atheist really quiet and no one knew about Atheist. Because oh. he was saying, like, people, like, back then, like, death metal, it got to that point where, like, it was like, you know, Persona Non Grata or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. all grunge and shit, I guess. Yeah. So he, that band was like more grungy or something like that. But yeah, I think he, because I think Kelly, I think it was like Kelly maybe realized that Jim was. All of the songs he wrote, he was like recording them and then assigning himself ownership of all of the rights for Mechanical Collection. Yeah. So like every single song, they would release the albums and stuff of all the WWE soundtracks. And then all of the publishing was going straight to Johnston because like Vince didn't know anything about the business aspect of music. Yeah. yeah. And I think Kelly literally tried to be like, yeah, you do know this is happening, right? And I think there might have been like an indirect... Shit, I yeah, had no I, fucking I, clue I, about there's that. There's something like that. If you go back yeah. and find the Kelly... Uh, what's his name? Kelly Schaefer, is it? Yeah, Schaefer's what I've got in yeah. my head, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, his episode is, is fascinating. Um, it's really interesting to kind of hear his kind of take on the wrestling world as like a death metal guy. And wow, that's fucking... That's mental. Yeah, it's really oh, interesting. That's, 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 that's yeah, cool. obviously he's like directly involved with like uh, pestilence, that Florida, that whole kind of scene. Yeah. No. Oh, wow. Oh, I'll check that out. Right. So going back to uh, pestilence, consuming mm. impulse. Um, sorry, I always manage to get off on tangents about wrestling every now and again. That's yeah. Well, like... it's got to be done. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I I can't imagine there's many people out there who are into death metal that haven't listened to this album. But by some fucking bizarre, for some bizarre reason, if you haven't checked out this album, listen to it. <laughs> you, you're really fucking missing out on one yeah. of the all-time classics here. It's good. Yeah, it's it's, it's very good. And Mameli's like said some crazy stuff in interviews and stuff, and he's become like uh, very opinionated as he's got older. Um, which is like it's cool. Like you don't have to. I don't agree with like everyone. Like he's not said anything. Like you know, you know he's not. Um, pulling any like second wave black metal moves as far as i can see <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah I, he's he's very interested like um he referenced um do you know oh god what's his name i literally just tipping my tongue wait oh no i've, I've completely killed it oh alan holdsworth do you know, have you ever listened to Alan Holdsworth? No, never. He's like a jazz fusion kind of guitarist guy, and his he like invented his own scales. Oh, really? And stuff like he. So you know, like Spheres has that weird. I always think it sounds like um, there's a, there was a Mega Drive game called Alien Storm. I remember Alien Storm. Yeah, and it had this really weird like kind of like it wasn't comedy. It was like very dark, and it was like there was like aliens are invading the world and everyone's getting killed. But yeah. there's like this weird like humor running through it. Yeah. 
and like yeah pest- spheres by pestilence sounds a bit like alien storm it's, <laughs> it's like music and it's got the same kind of weird vibe but yeah alan holdsworth's like that it's this kind of spacey strange kind of jazz music that's like got very unique voicings and stuff yeah. like that and um I, I became really kind of like fascinated by him when i first started listening to his stuff as like a guitarist no i have to check that shout out no that's yeah because really he's oh. is yeah him and um chick korea who i found listening to um read an interview with sean reinhardt because he was like a huge chick korea was like uh, in a band called return to forever yeah who were like another fusion rock band yeah um and they had an album called where have i loved you before and it's just like some of the most badass like instrumentals and it's like all of i think chick plays like keys like keyboards and like pianos and stuff and then he's just got like some of the the best drummer i've ever heard and the best bass player and like he's just like only play with like top level dudes yeah so like he's he's a really fascinating person to go and check out as well Fucking the jazz drummers are just the next level aren't they it's just uh the um oh, the imperial triumphant drummer is just insane with kenny Grahowski. Yeah, even um, Thomas Harker was like, that guy is something else. <laughs> yeah, that's, if, if there is kudos <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the scene. It's being, yeah, that's a pretty big compliment. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yeah, man, oh, just, uh, what else was I going to say about this album? I'll tell you one thing that I thought was quite subtle that I enjoyed. I like the use of synth in this album. It's very subtle, very tasteful. Subtle, but yeah, but it's like, you know, a lot of synth at that time would have been overly cheesy, like, you know, yeah. like a Therion style level of. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but no, no, it's just like, you know, like you could tell even from the early days, even the second album in, that the band, like, were willing to experiment and, um, you know, do different things. And if you listen to an entire discography, then you're in for a bit of a whirlwind in terms mm. of just, like, you know, like going on to Spheres and, you know, like some of the later albums, like Obsidio and. It's yeah. Exitium. Yeah, I think well, I read something really cool, and it was like, um, I think it was Obsidio. Um, I read in an interview that Mameli was talking about how he really just wanted to concentrate on like, like blast beats, double bass pedal, like tremolo picking, like uh, like triplets and stuff like that. He's like, he really wanted to just hone in on some of the individual components of like what makes death metal death metal, and really focus on them for the album. And I think Obsidio is like he was like trying to up. Yeah. the ante of his writing and stuff like that and I really like that they all sound different it doesn't just sound like the same album repeated again and again no you know it's Which pretty is, cool it's funny because I feel like bands kind of fall into two camps right you get the bands that tend to you know stick to the formula that works for them and release like pr- pretty much the same album year upon year and then you've got bands that just veer so far off into a different musical territories that it's yeah and i think you know both are kind of essential to the scene in a lot of ways like you well, know you look at a band like opeth for example mm. and like you know how much they've deviated from you know their first albums and then you know you take a, a more extreme example a band like a, a motorhead for example that yeah essentially releasing the same album year on in and it's like um you know and i think it's good that the scene is just so varied i'm talking about the death metal scene in particular like yeah. you know because like i say you take a band like opeth and you take like a band like bolt throw for example yeah. you've got two bands that like represent both sides of that camp and there's just so much fucking good music that's come from the death metal scene even if the band is no longer within that particular scene yeah like it's just cause and there's so much good shit that stemmed from its humble beginnings yeah and that's what i was going to say the the doing the same album over and over again isn't necessarily a bad thing either because like you said Bolt Forever kind of did that towards the end of their career because they just wanted to get it right and then yeah like that's why so many people have respect for them because they were like no we did we did what we wanted to do this is what we were trying to make we've made it now yeah that's so fair enough check out all the iterations like I think it's, it's really interesting as well the um because you know like new metal and like some other genres is a lot more like image focused 
than you know skill but obviously with like a lot of death metal there was you know that we were talking about the the arms race kind of aspect where people want to improve be the next you know they want to play as hard as they can as fast as they can as technical as they can and um that yeah that really kind of shows as you kind of listen to it like you know like yeah like this and like even like bolt thrower like there's there's certain things in play that are like classical music like you know bolt thrower had the the recurring riffs the the sweet the theme yeah. of the oh my god i'm forgetting everything today that's right yeah 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 that that whole kind of thing which is like conceptually like quite different and not really done very much in a lot of other bands kind of work yeah you know things like overtures all these different aspects and kind of yeah. techniques yeah i just yeah i really love that about death metal and it, it can really open your eyes to stuff that you might have not found before yeah well, i think it's because when, when you think about it as well like there's so many musicians in the scene that have either classical training or, or grew up in the background where they listen to classical music or have an appreciation for it mm. and like you know everybody remembers reading the articles when you're growing up oh metal and classical music have got the most yeah, in yeah, common yeah. you'd be thinking like, yeah what, what the f-? yeah whatever mate but then but like obviously the more the older you get the more mature you get yeah and your like appreciation for songwriting like you do really fucking notice it it's just behind sort of walls of distortion yep <laughs> yeah growling. totally yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's amazing i love it but it's good shit man so i think uh that's pretty much everything i've got to say in consumer yeah. impulse other than just fucking, fucking listen, listen to, it, to it if you haven't bang your fucking head yeah it's fucking rules it's awesome it's insane and i really happen. want a, pe- a long sleeve consuming insult insult consuming, consuming impulse <laughs> long sleeve in green like the cover because well, i want is so a fucking sick. beanie of the album cover like, <laughs> just fucking the face is just the fucking <laughs> that would be great have you seen the interviews with uh like Mameli where like it's really funny there's an interview on YouTube where it's like he's been interviewed by this, this the woman who's interviewing is wearing this like all over print pestilence shirt and then he's wearing the same shirt <laughs> no way <laughs> it looks really it's really funny oh, I love that yeah that's that's like an interesting thing I'm discovering there's more and more of these like old school bands would wear like, their own merch and it's like it's quite interesting because when I was growing up that was a complete no no oh know? that was like a faux pas you never it? go like... to a gig and wear the shirt of the band that you're seeing that's like if you yeah. see someone do that you're like look at this look at this fucking guy look at this, look at this rube <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like it, it, it's such a bizarre faux pas isn't it it it's is like why wouldn't you want to show support to the artists that you're going and seeing but I think it's just a credibility thing I think for me it was always just like well I need to prove that this isn't the only band I listen to yeah. So, ergo, uh, I need to wear another shirt. It's like a gatekeeping thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's like to. It was like you were so worried about being gatekept that you would like preemptively, like prove. Yeah. You know, I'm, when I was like fourteen, I went to a games workshop and I had a Pantera patch, on, on like like I think I had this really crappy like cut off when I was like yeah like quite young, and then there's this guy who was like in the store was like oh, have you seen Pantera live? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm 14. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to a gig. I, like, I know you can go to gigs when you're younger, but yeah. I hadn't at that point. And yeah, it was quite funny. It was this guy like, oh, yeah? yeah. You think you like that bad? <laughs> Mate, fucking something similar happened to me fucking recently. Yeah. Like the guy wasn't doing it intentionally, but really? I got fucking humbled by this guy in the gym. I love this I shit. Was training, <laughs> um, I was training while wearing my fucking uh, Meshuggah shirt that yeah. I got from their 25 anniversary like, show. Oh, yeah. 
And the guy's like signaling <laughs> to me like while I'm resting between sets. And he's kind of like giving me the whole thumbs up right, deal. No, and I'm thinking <laughs> like, uh, and normally I'm so fucking cynical in the gym. When yeah. someone's bothering me, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to ask me a stupid fucking yeah, yeah, question. Yeah. So I, I took my headphones off and he was just like, oh, no, it's a sick shirt, man. Just like, yeah. and it was just like, no, yeah, yeah, no. I was like, no, yeah. so we stopped talking about my sugar for a bit. Was he like, name one parodied or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He hit me with no, like a fucking, he, he basically was just like, oh, yeah. I remember when I first got into them, I saw them uh, when they were touring the Destroyer Raisin Proof. Oh, what? Back yeah. in like, and I was just like, like okay sake, all right like, big dick <laughs> no but he was he was totally cool about it yeah, 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 but yeah. in my head i was thinking like fuck that's why i love those like, old videos you ever watch old videos of sugar oh they're so like, good playing i love it like skinny as fuck yeah yeah like the singer and yens with like, his yeah, hair yeah, as well yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's weird it's great though but it's just so rare now because i feel like i'm kind of like a bit of an elder statesman in the scene so yeah. to have like an old school guy come up to me and be like oh yeah i saw that band yeah. when you were like six listen here i was pop. like fuck i was like cool yeah i love shit like that but no, but it's, it's cool i remember um, i remember once i was talking to i was talking to like a younger guy who was like a mutual friend of someone else and i was talking about uh the haunted yeah and then he was saying that he really liked the self-titled haunted album and i was like that album is fucking garbage it sucks <laughs> and it's just like don't gatekeep me okay i can like whatever the hell i like and i was like yeah you can but the album just fucking sucks and yeah. i was just like <laughs> What's it? I like Revolver and One Kill Wonder. Yeah. I used to really like all the is it Dolan? Yeah. Sort of, oh, yeah, Peter Dolvin. Dolvin, yeah, yeah. I used to like all the Dolvin stuff, but I quite yeah. like some of the other guy stuff as well. Yeah, guys, Marco, isn't he? Do you know what? Never listened to a single Haunted album. Is which it? is crazy. Big at the Gates fan, and I know it had the Bueller twins, but that's what's weird, man. I think I was such a haunted guy that when I heard at the Gates, it was probably like because presumably that's like derivative of it, and in some fashion, like yeah, they're Swedish as well. Haunted? Yeah, 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 they'd, yeah. They'd be sweet. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, that must be quite like big fan sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think that I was just kind of like, oh, I like haunted so much. This is I'm fine with haunted. I don't know. Yeah, at the Gates just never got its claws in me. Yeah, it's. Do you know what? They they're also another band that had quite a diverse career, and uh, I'll be seeing them at Damnation in a few weeks, playing Slaughter in the Soul and Fall, nice, yeah. which is uh, going to be a, a a milestone in my life. Yeah. But um, that album in particular, like you know, that's always the album that people go to as being like their kind of seminal album, which I get. It makes sense. It's such an influential album. But their first two albums are so fucking odd. I still haven't gone back and listened to. It. I need to. I remember you were talking about. It. It's got like violin and shit on it. Is it? First, first album's got like more in common with like uh, My Dying Bride and like yeah, early paradise lost sick. and stuff i love that shit so much second album is like is is more rustic and like you know they don't have as violins or anything but like it, it's it's just got such a weird sense of melody that is just unlike anything i'd ever heard at the time and it's not like the other melodeth like you know they yeah, hit yeah. that kind of that classic gothenburg sound with slaughter of the soul but like a lot of that wasn't prevalent in the first two albums yeah yeah oh that's really so, interesting it's no, interesting i'll would... play you some tracks at one point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'd love to check them out yeah oh yeah that's true i used to listen to a lot of in flames as well actually like oh, flames. it was like clay man what's that like pinball yeah. fucking whatever yeah yeah the, um you got jester race. race yeah all that kind colony of shit. clay man like what's that song horacle oh i know the one yeah Remember. Yeah, they were great as well. I used to love yeah. In Flames. But yeah. yeah, Just the Race was the album for me for In Flames. I fucking love that album. Yeah, right. the, 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 okay, so that kind of the excitement kind of thing. Because there was a lot of a lot of metal was like so like po faced or whatever. Yeah. And serious that there was this kind of point where we were like, ooh. You know, ooh, what's going on? Yeah. But right, should we wrap it up there? Yeah, this sorry, episode? yeah, let's just wrap it up. Thank you so much, guys. Nina will be back very soon. <laughs> well, thanks for watching, guys. Remember to like, share, subscribe. And if there's anything, if there's any classic albums that we've somehow missed, feel free to, to uh, suggest them because we're always up for listening to some uncovered gems. Hell yeah. So 
Take care and until next time.